Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. My guest today is Natalie Dyer. Natalie Dyer is a research scientist studying universal love. Natalie is the creator of the Universal Love Scale. She is the president of the Center for Reiki Research and the effects on the human biofield for improving psychological health and well-being. Natalie is the author of multiple peer-reviewed scientific publications. This is her story and this is her passion. Natalie Dyer, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you, Louisa. It's really great to be here. I look forward to our discussion. Well, I'd love to dive right in because you've done so much incredible work, but your research on universal love, this is fascinating. Yeah, um, I published a paper in 2020. It's the first scientific study of universal love. Um, and universal love is, we define it as um, a state of unity with um, others and the whole of existence. Um, so it's also called divine love. Um, it's basically unconditional love for all of existence. Um, and many different um, energy healers, for example, or people that have near-death experiences, um, they all seem to have this underlying um, belief or knowledge that comes from these experiences and practices that universal love is primary. So it's like what creates all of existence. Um, so it's like this underlying nature of reality. Um, and so our study was, when you look at science, you really need something. If you want to measure something like universal love, if you want to increase universal love, you have to be able to measure it in science. So, um, so what we did was we created the universal love scale which is really a way of surveying people on their level of embodiment of universal love. It's not to judge, it's just that we have a metric that we can show, okay, this intervention is increasing universal love, for example. Um, so when we're embodying this state, um, there are certain emotions, there are certain thoughts, there are certain behaviors and transcendent experiences that uh, correspond to universal love. So for example, um, just the actual feeling of loving people, just, just having it easy to love people, that's one of our items. Um, wishing people to be free of suffering and happiness and to be happy. <laughs> that's another item that's more like the cognitive side of things. Behaviorally, we're looking at um, wanting to be a humanitarian and help people in some way to relieve suffering. Um, and then we have transcendent factors like I, I believe we're all one or, I'm, you know, the truth of existence is that we're all one, these kinds of things. So um, what we did was we scientifically validated universal love as a concept, as a construct, which is important. <laughs> um, and then we showed that it's highly related to things like empathy and compassion, um, positive mood even, and, and having meaning in life and negatively related to things like narcissism and aggression and anger, which you would expect. Um, and that uh, we do see some demographic differences. So females, for example, are higher on universal love. Um, this is also true for empathy and compassion. And uh, the theory there is that it's maternal, it's kind of a maternal behavior. Um, women are caretakers. Um, 
so that there may be that higher baseline level of universal love in women. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a start and we can start doing interventions and starting to uh, find out ways to increase universal love for the health of the individual, their relationships, and also for transforming the planet. Thank you for that. You're an awesome guest. You seem to answer my next questions without me even answering. The work you're doing is incredible. Um, as you mentioned, which I was going to ask you, we are all interconnected because it's universal. Um, just my question is, in our humanness, can we love unconditionally? I believe we can, yeah. Um, I think uh, the most closely linked uh, love to unconditional love is maternal love. So love for your children, no matter what. Um, certainly not everybody embodies that and experiences that, but it's a practice. It's not something that um, you can't necessarily improve. Um, and love is such a positive, high vibrational state that it, it benefits you to, to practice these feelings. Um, so doing meditations, um, such as loving kindness meditation or universal love or compassion meditation will help cultivate that ability because um, I think life kind of can beat you out of that. Um, and, uh, I think it's absolutely possible, yeah. This is kind of an obvious question, but, you know, aligning more to that universal love state, how does it change an individual's life and collectively, I guess, as well? Um, in many, many ways. So collectively first, I mean, universal love is tightly linked to what's called the golden rule. So it's that's in... I think, well, at least every major religion and probably a lot of other minor religions too, which is do unto others as you would have done unto you, um, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Um, so when we embody universal love, that comes with a recognition that we're all connected and that we're all one, that we all have the same source, that we're all part of the same consciousness. And when you see the world that way, you definitely behave in better, in ways that are more harmonious to people, to animals, to the planet. Um, so that level of consciousness is very beneficial for world harmony and peace. Um, it's when like, sure, it's in every religion, then why are there wars <laughs> based on religion? Um, it's because they're not embodying the rule. They're, they're bringing politics into it. They're trying to convert people. They're saying their way is the best way. Um, so if we're actually living by those tenets and rules, we should have a much more harmonious society. Um, and individually, it's really... Um, really connects you with your soul. So it, it, it um, facilitates wholeness. Um, and in like energy healing or shamanism, wholeness is synonymous with healing. So we want to bring as much of our essence or our soul in our body in these temples as, as we can. <clears throat> and when we have traumas or challenging experiences, or we have negative thoughts toward ourselves, we can fragment that energy a little bit. Um, in an extreme case, that's called soul loss. Um, but love unifies those parts of yourself back together. So you're going to have um, better mental health, better physical health, and your relationships will improve um, as well. So it really is a widely beneficial um, construct or state to, to cultivate and embody. Beautiful. I, I feel that our body and our soul is always wanting to heal itself. Um, I know you've mentioned it, but can you just offer some simple tools and tips for the audience of how to embody that more or actionable steps? Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, so really it comes from the self. So you've probably heard many times that if you don't love yourself, 
You can't love anyone else. It's a really hard one. <laughs> so it really does um, require, if, if there is some work there, and some people, they have self-love, it's fine. They, they're already in that state. But really working on loving yourself, accepting yourself, forgiving yourself. Forgiveness is highly related to universal love as well. Um, we have to be willing to let go of a lot of stories um, because this is our primary state of being. And we're always going to have these incarnations with different dramas and different people playing different roles. And really, universal love is seeing beyond all of that. Um, so really tapping within and doing a lot of meditation certainly um, help universal love uh, grow within you. Um, learning to forgive yourself through accepting where you're at um, is really, really helpful for that. Um, and then doing actions as well, um, saying like, okay, I'm going to volunteer somewhere, I'm going to donate, or I'm going to help. So these kind of humanitarian actions, not for recognition, not for tax <laughs> relief or whatever, um, but coming from a good place of wanting to help others helps foster that, that energy more. Um, and really doing, doing work to be healthy and in a balanced state so that your emotions don't um, take you away from that center. Um, if we get caught up in the daily drama or we get aggressive or we get angry or we blame, then we're, we're off balance. So cultivating mindfulness towards our emotions and our reactions will also help that. Thank you so much for that. You write about reason and intuition. How are they separate and inter interconnected? Yeah, um, so... I see both of them as ways of navigating reality or, or making decisions based on how you perceive reality. So um, they're different ways of making sense of the world. I think when it comes to reason, uh, this is a very conscious, deliberate way of, of making a decision or coming to some understanding um, about reality. And whereas intuition is largely operating in the realm of the unconscious, it's very immediate, it's spontaneous. Um, and it's like, in, it's our instinct and our, our natural unconscious insights. Um, so really it's important to have the balance between the two. I think our intuition is our soul. It's like guiding us through this journey of life and our, our reason or our logic is our way of like staying grounded within this experience um, and bringing the human aspect in. So I think if, you, if you're too uh, logical, then there's not that soulful and joy and um, uh, inspiration that comes from tapping into your intuition and your soul. And if you're too much on the other side, then maybe you're not so grounded or you, maybe you're not actually actualizing the things that you'd like to create. Um, so really the balance between the two is I think key, like everything, it's all about balance. <laughs> yes, uh, I agree. Um, I don't know, I'm just getting this question, but these are wonderful tools and tips, but for someone who's suffering through grief or having a really, really hard time, how can, what are some baby steps they can take to move away from that space when everything seems in despair? Yeah, I think it's really important to not fight our emotions or try to necessarily, like try too hard to change things. So really giving yourself time to be in that space um, because accepting where you're at um, will allow you to, again, love yourself more. It's like, if, you're, if you don't accept that, then it's like you're doing something wrong and things should be different. And, and really all suffering is, as Eckhart Tolle would say, is, is resisting the present moment. So it's so important that we let ourselves be in that space to move through it. 
and of course not to um, try to cover up any emotions or you know with uh, addictions or um, and it's okay to take breaks of course we want to zone out and like watch a movie or something to relieve uh, the stress and um, but really to not fight the, the state that you're in to be able to move through it um, because the only way out is through as they say so we have to go through that journey and then just take little baby steps so um, some some days you might not be able to get off the couch and say okay that's okay that's that's where I'm at today and then the next day it's like okay I'm going to take a walk in the forest today and then and go do that and be okay with that and and these little steps will lead to big transformation over time so just not being too hard on ourselves and um, taking it one step at a time, I think is super important. Mm. I don't know whether fortunately or unfortunately, I've found my greatest growth occurs when I've suffered a lot. Mm. <laughs> no one <Yes>. chooses it. <laughs> um, I have to ask you a universal question. In your opinion, why are we here in our humanness? Big yeah, question, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> why are we here? Okay, I'll, my perspective, I'm definitely not saying um, this is true. Everybody ha can find their own truth. Or, well, this show's um, about you today. So. But for me, <laughs> um, for me, it's on a bigger, big scale. Okay, so I would say on, on the macro scale, it's about um, learning of the self. So on source, branches out, creates little um, fragments or fractals of itself um, that become um, beings and incarnate in different um, planets for just learning of the self, just this, this, this dance of creativity and learning. Um, on the individual level, I think each soul has um, their own desires, their own preferences, their own wishes and that they wanna learn about their own self. So I believe we come here um, like a school um, like a game. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like a game sometimes when you're in it, um, but really for learning about the self to, to bring that back to the big self. Um, and really, I think what I've had some insights during um, some meditations is that it's about learning self-love, learning how, how do we treat ourselves when we forget who we are, um, and then learning to always awaken within various veils um, so growing in spiritual strength growing in that connection so that we can go further out and so we can explore more without um, forgetting who we are so that our suffering isn't um, elevated beyond what what we can handle and do you feel that we in re do you believe in reincarnation that we keep returning to learn and grow i do yeah i think uh, i haven't i haven't decided fully if it's um if it's like if our past life memories are a part of a, a greater Akasha or if it's on the individual level, but I do believe that we have like a timeline where we've had different incarnations that play out karma of certain lessons. So, yes. Well, that can't, you, <laughs> you almost answered my next question. Is it all happening now? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think um, it's so difficult because we have the experience of time. Um, but there really is only now. And, uh, and it, it gets really tricky when you think of past lives. And I think, um, I think we're modifying them constantly as we learn, we shift. Um, so we can change things that have happened in the past based on our perceptions and what we've learned in the, in the future. Um, and I think when we take a step out of it, it's hard because we're in our little trajectories. Um, but when we 
um, end this life and we go back, I think that's when it's very obvious that it's all here now, almost like a um, like one big picture or mosaic of everything. Um, but when we're in it, we have the illusion of time and movement. Um, so it, it's really difficult to, <laughs> I'll say I, yes, but I'm it's hard sorry, to feel I'm sorry, I'm asking you really big questions. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love big questions. <laughs> okay, it's a fancy word for those that don't know, maybe I don't know either, but what, what, what is the biofield that you talk about a lot? Yeah, biofield is um, it's a term that I think uh, a bunch of um, like NIH sponsored um, some researchers to come together to find a term that um, encompassed all these different energy medicine practices. Um, so they call that biofield therapy. So what sometimes is called energy medicine or um, and it includes Qigong, Reiki, uh, pranic healing, therapeutic touch, these kinds of things. But the biofield itself is this, it's a field, it's this massive, massless field that surrounds and penetrates our body. Um, it impacts our health, it affects us. Um, and through these techniques, um, the, the theory is that you're modifying this biofield. Um, it's kind of what people think of the aura. Um, it may or may not be electric. Um, we haven't been able to directly measure it um, in a way that's uh, cohesive. So, but people are definitely working on this, on measuring the biofield and being able to visualize what's going on and what's going on before and after a healing session. So when you think of consciousness and matter, it can be that it's sort of this field of information that guides um, our health and, and the, the creation of our body essentially um, is one way of looking at it. But uh, we, again, we haven't measured it properly yet, um, but it's, it does exist. We have obviously um, energy fields coming off of our heart and our brain, but how does that all interact in one um, cohesive field? That's the biofield. <laughs> would, would it be the same as what you term universal life force? Is that a is that a life force? I would say that like it's it's either super highly correlated or they are the same thing. Um, so universal life force or life force energy is is essentially it's like our spirit. It's it's the consciousness that animates us and makes us alive. It's, it's, um, it's part of every living being. Um, it's the creative force of consciousness or source. Um, so it definitely interacts. So there could be some other energies going on in there that are, if, they, if they're physically detectable, it might not be life force energy because some, some people think we can't detect, we're, not, we're never gonna be able to measure life force energy. Um, so I think it interacts and it might be very, very, very highly related, but it might not be exactly the same thing. Yeah, so interesting. I mean, and that probably segues me into, you do, you do amazing healing work and you also do it remotely. How, how do you do this? The remotely the remote yes. work? Yes, how do you connect yes. with another individual, a soul across the globe, mm -hmm. really? Um, yeah, I would have never... I would have never thought, I guess when I first started take, taking Reiki, I didn't really believe in Reiki. Um, so I just, I just, you know, these synchronicities just lead you to places. And I ended up taking Reiki course. And um, I said, I don't, I don't even know why I'm here. Um, I when love I that. <laughs> but when I took it, and then I started actually feeling energy and seeing the effects of it, uh, I was like, wow, this actually really is something. And um, hands-on healing has been done thousands and thousands and thousands of years by all kinds of different um, ethnicities, religions, et cetera. 
Um, so it's a very natural thing to do is like we, when we hurt ourselves, we put our hands there. And, um, but level two of Reiki is about connecting across distance. And I, I think the, the easiest way that it, it made sense to me was I had a Christian background. I'm not, I'm not, I was never very religious, but I did go to Catholic school and we prayed and um, we prayed for things and, and things that were at a distance and people that were far away. Um, so I thought, okay, it's kind of like prayer, I guess, in a sense, but, um, but really how that connection is made in the training, you learn symbols and these symbols um, put you in a certain state of intention. So there's a distance symbol. It's like, okay, I'm connecting now with this person across distance. Um, but apart from that and that training, um, it really comes down to um, three things for me, I think. It's, it's really um, that intention. So like explicitly stating, I am connecting with so-and-so in this location. So intention really, really matters. Um, and the next is uh, attention or focus. And this is like mindfulness, like just holding that focus the whole time where you're not thinking about dinner, um, anything. And if you do, you bring yourself right back mm -hmm. and your whole focus is just this person and sending them um, energy or giving them love. And the third thing is that love, is, is that connection. So if, I, if I'm connecting with someone and I'm not feeling that universal love that we talked about, um, that's a weaker connection. And I really do think that love is what binds all of reality together. It's what brings our consciousness together. So when we're feeling that love, connecting with that individual, we are merging our consciousness in a sense. Um, and then we bring in this divine love, this, this universal love, this um, at, mixed with our intention for this person. And there's some kind of information that's transferred. There's a um, whether it's through entanglement, quantum entanglement, which hasn't been studied at the macro level with people, um, or some other, um, some other means, but, but there is a connection that happens there. And it happens through love and compassion. Um, but really holding your attention and intention is important for allowing that to flow as well. So there's those three components that I think are really important. Um, and the more love I feel for someone, um, the more they say, wow, that was, that was powerful. <laughs> um, if that connection's less for whatever reason, maybe I'm just really tired or um, they'll be like, oh, that was nice. That was good. <laughs> so really the, the, that unconditional love that paired with mindfulness is, is really what makes that connection happen. How I'm not sure other than um, that space is sort of an illusion. And when, you know, we're all connected within that um, zero point of infinite love. Gosh, you explained that so beautifully. Thank you so much. Um, for those that haven't experienced or aren't remote healers, but that unconditional love, where do you feel it? What do, it's very hard to describe in words, but what does that feeling feel like? And you did a good mm. job, but if you just don't mind exploring that a bit more, that feeling. Yeah, um, it's very closely linked to very, very uh, positive emotions. So it's one of the, when we think of the emotional scale from like despair to like bliss, I would say it's, yeah, it's, it's like divine bliss, it's joy, there's all of these positive emotions associated with it, uh, pure fulfillment, um, warmth, um, and just, and just this like, this feeling of satori, as they say, or, or samadhi, like, just like perfection, um, just that in that moment, everything is perfect. And um, that's what it feels like to me. Um, but it also 
it's that sense of wholeness too, which maybe I already said, but when we look at the way emotions are distributed in the body, um, there's quite a few interesting studies on that recently where people invoke certain emotions and then they, they color in on a little map of the body where they felt that emotion. It's really, really interesting. And what we see is if you're anxious, for example, you feel it all up in your chest. And um, if you're angry, some of it is in your fists. Um, so all these different emotions lead to this different sensation map. And what we find is that love and joy is like everywhere. So you feel that you're fully embodied essentially. Um, and I think that relates to physical health. So you're feeling like you got better circulation, your detox is happening. Um, you're getting nutrients to, to, to tissues. And um, so it feels like a, a sense of wholeness and bliss um, and warmth and yeah. Thank you for that. You, I don't know if you can tell me, you mentioned that in Reiki, you have a symbol for remote healing. Do you, are you allowed to share what that symbol is? No, the Reiki symbols are sacred and they're okay. revealed, they're revealed during uh, Reiki training. So, and I and will be releasing courses in a few months. So <laughs> if anyone is interested, how does one in your, in your, for your, with your advice, how do we find our passions and how do we follow our passions? Mm, that's a good question. I think a, a lot of people, when they're young, they already know that. Um, so one way is to really think back to when you were young. If, if you're totally lost and you have no idea what your passions are, you can think back to when you were young and what really, what did you want to do? You didn't have to work for money. You didn't have to pay bills. So what did you like in your spare time? Um, maybe it was reading and writing. Maybe it was playing music. Um, Maybe it was nature. So you can look back and think to your inner child, what are those, those needs? Um, and that's one way. Um, another way is to just really think about like, what would I do if, because a lot of people are stuck in jobs because of, um, well, fear, but fear about uh, money as well. So, so I like to ask people, what would you do if money was not an issue at all? And that's usually a good way. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you don't need to worry about money. What would you do if there was, you know, no payment for it. It's just, you have all the time in the world, all the money in the world, what do you want to spend your time doing? Um, and hopefully that's something that lights you up. Um, of course, there are people that are depressed and that's really, really hard to even have any desire for doing anything because part of depression is um, is apathy and, and not being interested in anything as well. Um, so that can be challenging. And, and with depression, we have a really low level of life force energy. So we got to get that up first because that's where the inspiration comes from. So you really want to bring in that life force energy so that your soul can, can be more whole and tell you, oh, this is what we're doing. This is what, what moves us. And um, so you can do that a variety of ways. Um, I honestly, like exercise is a really, really big way of, of bringing life force energy into the body. Um, I see it a lot of times with depressed clients. The message is usually, um, I hit the body's like, I need to move, I need to exercise. And, and I know that's hard to, again, small changes, small little goals, because it can be hard to shift from that state to like jogging down the street every day. Um, because that's like a, there's so much inertia built up with that. Um, but really getting that life force energy in so that you can feel inspired and, and uh, find your passion. Well, I just want to say thank you for all the work you're doing with universal love for yourself and for the collective consciousness. And it's been in so, so insightful to have you on Passion <laughs> Harvest. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much. It's been great. Okay. Bye, Natalie. <laughs> Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.